Welcome to another episode of Change of Directions. My name is Don Dahlmann and I'm here together with my colleague Nicole Scott. And we have the pleasure to say hello to the CEO of Quantron, Michael Perschke. Quantron is a company um, from the south of Germany, but they are also very active in the US, in India and other states. And they're doing something very unique. They have a kind of agnostic approach when it comes to low emission, heavy duty vehicles. So, for example, you can buy a garbage truck, which is battery electric, but you can also buy the same garbage truck with a fuel cell so you can use hydrogen. They fit the car to the needs of their customers. This is one side. The other side is that they offer something that is called Quantron as a service. This is a kind of holistic 360 degree approach to services that can be used around your truck. For example, when it comes for hy to hydrogen, if you need hydrogen, they can also help you um, getting the hydrogen. And also uh, when it comes to battery electric trucks, they help you also with the infrastructure and everything else. So quite interesting approach from a very new company. But first, uh, Mr. Perschkem, I really want to know how did you get into this business and since when are you doing this? Perfect. Yeah, let me, before I come immediately to a question, yes. I've been around in the e-mobility e space for now 11, 12 years. Um, I think my first uh, put your money to your uh, where your mouth is commitment was uh, buying shares from Tesla when it was really in the early days. Then uh, I was engaged with Audi on the Audi e-tron brand uh, from a sales strategy point of view. Then um, I was the founding CEO of Automobili Pininfarina at the totally other side of the spectrum with a two and a half million EV hypercar. And then for one and a half years, I was yeah leading a family office which had invested only in zero emission uh, uh, companies like Formula E, like Remats and others. Yeah, and then I came across Quantum basically in a due diligence. We were looking for something for our conglomerate on bidding to take over another EV brand and we needed a battery supply. And when I came across Quantum, I visited them and then Andreas and me clicked quite instantly. And um, yeah. Then uh, I joined first as an investor and then as a CEO in 2021 as a CEO. Yeah, and ever since um, I'm on board and with Andreas Haller and, and a quite international team, we're building Quantrom as, I would say, a technology agnostic company. So we do electric and hydrogen. And our focus is not really selling ready-made devices, which we also do, but we also see ourselves more as a, as a partner to OEMs. Sure, as a partner to brands and logistics supply chain companies. And our ambition is to to advise them and consult them holistically in probably one of the biggest transformations in supply chain and logistics ever since the ice engine took over from the horse carriages and partially from the trains, which is basically moving everything towards zero emission, moving everything to completely new drivetrains, but also moving logistic and supply chain from a yeah, at the end of the organizational hierarchy to the boardrooms. And that's basically happening because ESG rating, sustainability, also the image of a company in the carbon footprint has become, in today's world, a much more strategic topic than it used to be. And Quantum as a service is something which it's Andreas's brainchild, so full credit to him. When I joined, coming more from the classical OEM world, is that it's quite a complex thing because we're putting together a lot of loose ends, basically from helping 
our clients and our business models sourcing the green mole molecules and green electrons. So how do we get the green energy to the nozzle or to the charging point to getting our vehicles today, but in the future also vehicles where there's some quantum insight into our customer fleet and then managing the fleet and not only managing the fleet through a fleet management tool or telematics devices, but managing the fleet also with GHG, so greenhouse gas uh, quota trading, monetization of CO2 credits, and uh, helping the client to really manage his logistics supply chain, whether it's own trucks or third-party trucks, in a way that he can show, show really his scope one to scope two and scope three emissions to his stakeholders. And we see ourselves as a consultant is probably the wrong word, as an facilitator as a catalyzer and as a trusted partner this is where we see ourselves and somebody who is a, like a navigator helping our clients to navigate their journey towards zero emission transport solutions oh so that's actually quite a lot so you developed this together with your business partners this quantron as a service model so what exactly does it do so, for example, if I buy a hydrogen truck from Quantron and you also book the Quantron as a service, what exactly is this going to do for me? Where we are currently building pilots with our clients is really you buy um, in 2024 a price for a kilometer. The price includes the truck, the services and the energy. Let's say it's, and that's a hypothetical number, 1 euro 50, 1 euro 40 per kilometer. For that, you get the truck without the driver, of course, and without some other variables, or basically get a truck as a service, ideally with hydrogen. Strategically, we invest a lot in hydrogen. We also will look at you know, electric trucks as a service, but for that, we are still looking for the right e-charging and e-energy provider because we only have a right to win in that segment if we have strategic partners who have access to electrons at a very competitive price. I think we will not be offering Quantron as a service for electric vehicles if we don't have the right strategic e-charging and e-energy partner. Where we have a lot of talks, uh, for example, with Enel and others. So if anybody hears to that podcast and is the energy business, Outdoors are wide open because that is actually the most strategic tie-up we need and we, we are planning to have is the future clean energy and clean tech companies, whether it's a Statcraft or whether it's an Enel or a SESPA or an RWE or an ENBB. These kind of companies for them, we're the right strategic partner. So you are giving... Um basically an incentive to new customers that maybe you know haven't decided whether they go for a hydrogen truck or not and to you make quantum as a service essential um, make life makes a life more easy for a customer to change to a hydrogen truck is that correct yeah don um as you ask um if a customer comes to us and asks us to provide him a hydrogen solution we don't go immediately there and present him product brochures and try to sell him a product. Still, even if we know a customer is convinced or has an intent to go for hydrogen, we will always first ask a few critical questions. As I said, drive time, duty cycle, whatsoever, before we recommend solution. And this is the journey we've been through with IKEA from 60 delivery trucks and 
we're very proud that the first light commercial vehicle registered in Europe last week was a Crunchon truck going to IKEA Austria because they needed something to go off uh, off country to roll for Alberg, longer longer drive times, more clients, further distances. And we really, really like to work with IKEA because they have really put their money where their mouth is. And they're not shying away from doing technology innovation investments to really prove that by end of 2025, all last mile deliveries in Europe have to be zero emission. And for that, they're willing to experiment. And that's kind of, you know, that was a lucky find. They found us. They were asking about the hydrogen truck. We ended up with the electric. Now we deliver the hydrogen truck. And that's a perfect customer journey. Start analyzing, start testing, deliver a solid solution, convince the clients, and then they stay with us. But this quantum as a service, I mean, I see it from the from the customer perspective, but is it also something like an OEM should consider, like booking your servers for their clients? It's a very good question. You're a very smart observer, yes. See, what we're doing today is we we try out Quantron as a service with our Quantron vehicles. I just came back from India. I don't know if you had a chance. We had a very successful launch. We're launching an OEM agnostic, technology agnostic platform business where Quantron is just, let's say, the first shareholder and one of the first clients But that enablement platform, which is kind of, I would call it, if, if Quantron is the iPhone plus the iTunes plus the iOS plus the Deutsche Telekom plus Netflix, just to make it very abstract, what we launched was now the iOS or the iTunes services. And that can be basically in the future also be used by other OEMs. We can either provide Quantron as a service and maybe at some point it will have a little bit more open name to other OEMs, and we had a discussion in the U.S. with a truck manufacturer who wants to focus on hydrogen trucks, but sees it as super complex to build this ecosystem. They want to share the ecosystem with someone, and there it could be that they provide the truck, we provide the platform, and together we deliver the 360-degree service. And we will, in the future, offer to our clients also third-party trucks on our platform where we do, let's say, the services, But we might have the hardware from somebody else. So as you said, you're agnostic. So this would mean that you could just sell the platform and not the truck that you're producing. Is that right? I would say in 2025 latest, this could be a very real scenario. But before we try to pitch it to our OEMs, we need to make sure that you know we get through all the little uh, bits and bytes uh, which you have to resolve that it's a super seamless product. And we want to prove that. The good thing is we are an early mover. There are not many players, right, in that market, especially in Europe, with us. So we have a first mover advantage. We get, of course, today appointments with clients because we got to know about Quantron through the truck. Then we explain the model. Then we realize it's, it's interesting. Then we start engaging with us. And at some point, We would, we would clearly tell them, say, look, you like our services. We have now casted partnership agreement with a couple of other OEMs. And for that specific need you're discussing, we have the ideal product. Might not be brand Quantron batched on the front. It could still have Quantron on the side, what we call Quantron inside, because there's a Quantron battery in there or a Quantron e-axle or a Quantron 
co-developed fuel cell with one of our partners. For us, it's important that we are one of the early trailblazers of decarbonization of transport, and we become medium-term actually a an ideal partner also for OEMs or energy companies to work with us. I, I like the idea that you offer both things, like the truck and, and the service, and that you separate it into different business cases. Is that also because you mentioned India, uh, you also mentioned US, that different countries have different needs in terms of what they want to do or what first step they want to make? Absolutely. I, I myself worked and lived in India five and a half years over two stints and uh, the journalist last week asked me uh, or this week asked me will there be quantron trucks on uh, quantron hydrogen trucks on the road in india very soon and i said probably not because the entry barriers especially in that market to become a truck manufacturer is a humongous task even daimler struggled with a brand like barat benz to become really a relevant player why should i start try to do an industrial model which is very capital intensive which took much bigger companies, much longer to crack it. If I say, well, there are good products there, maybe we can help with the infrastructure. But if we become the searched after platform partner, for me, my revenue model is not dependent necessarily on selling the hardware. We can have still decent revenue and margins by just having orchestrating the platform on having OEMs as our strategic partners. It's, it's a much smarter thing. See, booking.com, didn't build properties. And still today, it's the biggest virtual hotel hospitality company in the world. Netflix went another way. They produce today their own movies, right? But I don't think that we don't, that we have to do in every market the heavy capex of their own devices. We always want to be among the testing clients of new technologies because when we know what the platform can complement the hardware, and if a Technology moves and suddenly we talk about solid state and hypercharging. We need to understand that technology so that our uh, software solutions and our platform solutions can also take cater to these needs. Payment gateways, you know, companies like Hubject or others, we need to have them as partners. They need to see us as their allies in what they do, not as their enemies. So there are basically three major markets at the moment, China, EU and the US. And you're not the only one offering trucks. Nicola, who we've had on our podcast, and we also talked to the CEO of Cummins Diesel Company, and they've built an engine that burns hydrogen. So there's a lot of movement and a lot of competition on the market right now. What are you hearing from your clients in the US? What are they looking for? Are they looking for a holistic solution that you're offering with Quantrum as a service? Or are they looking for a truck? Where are they positioned at the moment? Very, very different. I think there's not one client, there are multiple clients, different clients, different backgrounds. So you have a fleet operators, you have the UPS, the FedEx, the DHLs. You have Amazon. I think Amazon by itself is a humongous uh, fleet logistics supply chain company. You have brands like Nike, Coca-Cola. Every company first comes with their own point of view and for many right reasons because they have grown that business for 50 or 100 years so they have certain experiences. So they want to reuse how they have done it before. Some companies move. Then in the past, they had independent logistic um, holders. And they realized if I want to go fast on the decarbonization, they might need to insource some of that, own some of the trucks, or be more mandating it. 
Uh, so things are changing. This is what IKEA did in Europe. They mandate today the vehicles. And if a supplier doesn't want to use electric vehicles, they change the supplier. They change the whole year, the service provider. So I think you see companies who come with different mindsets. Some say, look, just give me the truck. I sort out everything myself. We had that also in Europe. Some grocery companies thought they are masters in purchasing. They say, okay, then take the truck, have fun. And then they realized they cannot achieve the same pricing as us because they have no leverage on buying hydrogen. So you cannot say that there is the same client and you can develop a playbook and then copy paste it as a cookie cutter approach. But you see tendencies. You see tendencies that companies look for a more holistic solution because um, zero emission first and then hydrogen electric second are complex. And to buy a truck and fill it with diesel is a fairly easy, straightforward job. Um, doing the same job with a zero emission technology requires more domain expertise. So I wouldn't say that they have already changed 180 degrees, but you see more openness to a more holistic model. But of course, um, as you rightly said, US is a huge market. It's a very diversified market in regards of offering structure, um, demand structures. But... And you said that rightly, but they are more open to hydrogen now, especially with the Inflation Reduction Act, without with what the Biden administration is pushing. Also, in a way, they are not so dogmatic. We are here in Europe discuss a lot still about the efficiencies. Electric is more efficient than, than hydrogen, which to some extent, if you take a single-sided view, could come to that conclusion. The Americans are more pragmatic. They say, I have long distance. There is no EV charging. I need probably seven EV chargers to do that long distance. I need only two hydrogen fueling stations. Where are the hydrogen fueling stations in the build-up? I get my carbon accounting credit. Okay, I go for it. It's an easier decision-making process. They are more technology open now, thanks to what the Biden administration has done. They And they look for solutions which are much faster scalable. Here in Europe, we talk one truck, five truck, maybe 50 trucks, 200 trucks. In in US, we talk, give me 20 trucks, I drive them out, then I give you 500, then I give you 5,000. So it's it's more fun, it's more challenging, it's more demanding, but it can be more rewarding. In terms also, of course, potential new clients that are waiting for you. When you look like globally, on what had happened or what has happened with hydrogen in the last three years, let's say, or four years, there is a certainly a trend um, to towards hydrogen. China is investing a lot. There are a lot of Chinese companies who are rolling out a lot of trucks. Um, and also, as we just uh, talked briefly about the US, um, where do you see hydrogen positioning itself in the future? Because there are still obstacles. You still have the... The problem with the with the fuel cell, uh, you still have also, and this is the main problem. Where do you get green hydrogen? So, where do you see hydrogen developing uh, in the next couple of years? I'm probably, I would say, I have a decent knowledge on hydrogen in the transport mobility space. Um, but when I talk on macro terms, hydrogen probably got a real credible boost or a further boost, really in Europe, to a large extent, also through the Ukraine crisis. Because suddenly we realized we need other sources of energy carrier, but also other sources of how to farm energy. 
And um, hydrogen will not be the single silver bullet to, to solve decarbonization or to solve energy crisis. Will never be. Hydrogen is a more complex energy solution than is electricity. Yeah, it is. Does it have advantages? Yes. Hydrogen has one advantage, which electricity is difficult. You can have a different location where you produce it and store it and where you consume it. And especially the time of production and the time of consumption in the electricity space is a challenge. You have a grid, you have energy production. If the grid doesn't need your energy, your energy goes waste. And if you have overproduction of green energy, and you have it today in Spain, then you can store that over energy, for example, in molecules. And then you can use these molecules, store them, transport them, and consume them at a different time. One of the technicians, I don't know if it was Hyundai or Toyota, said it's a bit like milk and cheese. You know, milk you have to consume fairly fast, otherwise it spoils. And cheese is, once you produce cheese, you can store it and keep it for quite a long time and then consume it at a later date. It's, of course, very abstract. It's a little bit humoristic, but it's fundamentally not so wrong. Hydrogen has ability to store energy and make it available when you need it again. When you have gases or liquid, again, a, a lengthy philosophical discussion, and both have their rights. And you have even ammonia, or, uh, green ammonia. So I think it's a complementary technology, a complementary energy carrier. It doesn't substitute electricity, but it transforms electricity in a different form of potential consumption. And I think that's where hydrogen gets an edge. And it's not it's not going to be Europe who, who's going to be the huge hydrogen producers. It's going to be the MENA region. Why? Because they have so much solar power that they can, and that's where I see the macro uh, and macro political opportunity. Hydrogen will make uh, countries energy autonomous who today are energy dependent. A simple example, Tunisia, Morocco, Egypt. They import oil, but tomorrow they can export hydrogen and green ammonia. So they will become from a net energy importer being dependent to the OPEC countries to an energy exporter and becoming independent and generating income. And I think that's on a macro geopolitical basis, a huge opportunity. Then you have countries who are today heavy in oil, all the GCC states who want to change their image first. And secondly, they want to become independent of oil because at some point there's no more oil and gas in their country. So Oman has released 25 billion of uh, investment into geo uh, into photovoltaic farms to become one of the large exporters of hydrogen. So hydrogen will not replace electricity energy, energy carrier, but it will gain traction as an additional new form of producing green molecules, of course, with green electrons first, and that can be geothermal, that can be hydro, that can be photovoltaic, that can be wind. With these sources of energy, you can produce hydrogen and then use it elsewhere. And when I always hear, yeah, but hydrogen is inefficient because you convert electric to hydrogen when you consume it. So on a, a static uh, view, it's right. Then a hydrogen truck will always be less energy efficient, cradle to grave, than an electric truck. But if I talk about additional forms of energy I, I could not today farm and not use, then it's a different story. And if I talk about operational efficiency, it's another discussion. So 
I think anything which is greener than heavy oil and diesel and petrol helps to resolve the challenges we have ahead of us. And even blue hydrogen for, as in an interim grip, as, um, step makes better sense than transporting goods with heavy oil. So I think we need to see them complementing each other and not competing. So one thing that you're doing in your company is developing battery electric vehicles and hydrogen vehicles. And so you said that you're not agnostic, but that also means that you have to invest in two completely different technologies. Isn't that something that's quite difficult, especially for a younger or newer company like yourself? When you have to develop a hydrogen truck, half step in between is that you need to do most of the things where the offspring or byproduct becomes the electric truck. Yeah, because whether you have a hydrogen truck, means the fuel cell powered and hydrogen tanks, or you have an electric truck. The big difference is that in the electric truck, you have more batteries, you might have a e-axle or not, depending on the size. And then the battery is the main source of energy. So the batteries are bigger. A hydrogen truck basically stores most of the energy, not in the battery, but in the tanks. But you still have a battery. You have an e-axle. And the main source of energy is the fuel cells. But if you look at it from a Lego approach, actually, you have a couple of components which are the same in both trucks. So for us, electric trucks are more a bifung or a byproduct. The hydrogen is the ultimate goal, but I still need battery. I still need the electric systems. So for the core products we have, for our heavy as well as for our light, we always have both versions because once we've done the hydrogen, the electric is kind of a step in between, which you have to do anyway from a development point of view. So you see most of the companies who are out there, the Nikolas, the Tevas, um, who else is there? Nikola Teva comes to my mind as the first. Um, most of them have both because it's kind of halfway. You, you anyway get the EV product. So I agree with you. With today's world, you need to understand the electric drivetrain and add the hydrogen and the tanks, but they overlap. And the overlap is probably 60, 70% is kind of commonalities. One thing before we come to an end, is the old discussion. You mentioned the energy efficiencies as is one thing. The other thing is that building up hydrogen refueling station is vastly expensive. It's more expensive than, than building up a charging station. And when you think about the huge distances that you have, for example, in the US, you name it, or also India and China, uh, and when you also think about the eastern part of Europe, Uh, Balkan territories. Where do you see hydrogen there? Does it make sense to build up like this hydrogen infrastructure? Or would it make sense to build like certain hubs on the highways and just do that and forget about the rest? Again, I think there is not one silver bullet, but you're right. Does hydrogen powered mobility make sense everywhere today? Probably not. Because one of the key ingredients is do I have access somewhere to green energy and can a fairly competitive produce green hydrogen. One of the countries slash regions we like a lot is Scandinavia, especially Norway. Why? Because they have a huge surplus of hydropower. You have in Norway 200 villages on fjords, which have huge hydro, hydro energy capabilities. They're not connected to any national uh, electric grid. So what can they ex how can they export the energy? The only way is to convert it to hydrogen and put it on a ship or on a gaseous a pipeline. Um, do we have the same situation 
let's say Croatia would be a not so good example because they might have hydropower and they have solar. But let's say Poland. Poland on the northern coast has wind energy, but their energy mix is still usually dependent also on nuclear power. So I think I, I like what you say. I think for certain regions, it's most important first to, to hydrogenize hubs and the transit routes because not every company will tomorrow go for hydrogen trucks. But if you go, again, use the example of IKEA, not that this is a real example, but we know we discussed it. They have the factories for pucks somewhere in, what is it, south southeastern Poland, and they need to get to a distribution center in Berlin. With hydrogen, we could power that, and they need probably from the factory to Berlin distribution center one hydrogen station on the way with our truck, which has 700 kilometers range per single fuel. Um, if I would like to do the same milk run with an electric truck, we would probably need four to five charging stations just to be safe in winter and so on. Um, so we have done in our white paper also an, uh, um, a sensitivity. The more electric charging you build, you come to suddenly, we call it um, jumping fixed costs, transformers, landlines. So if you go in really mass application of hydrogen uh, of electric charging, there's suddenly humongous investments you need to do if you scale beyond a certain point. If you want to do 50 trucks hypercharging at 500 megawatt per truck, we talk about 25 gigawatt of, 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 of energy, which needs to be available instantly. This is a small, a medium-sized city. So you talk about transformers and underground land underground lines. And that takes in Germany seven to ten years to have them digged under the ground. So it's not that it's equally scalable. And that's why we believe focus on the corridors, focus on hubs, and focus on producing green hydrogen where you have potential surplus of energy or it's easy to transport. So Spain is an amazing example. I mean, you know it better than me. I think last week or week before last, Spain was completely 100% running completely on renewable energy and mainly on photovoltaic. They shut off their windmills because they had surplus of energy. We didn't know what to do with it. They had more for sustainable energy in Spain than actually Spain consumed at a certain given point of time. And it was during the day, not during the night. So these countries, so Iberica is super suited to in the future produce with a surplus of installed capacity, hydrogen and green, green ammonia or green methanol, and then export it. And I think this is where the world is different. The world will develop in multiple energy ecosystems. And the GCC or MENA region for me is, is predined to move to electric and hydrogen because of nearly unlimited and super efficient photovoltaic capabilities. Norway has a huge potential for hydropower, including the hydrogen part of it. So does Canada. Uh, there's lots of hydro energy in Canada and again goes waste. So I think we will not, hydrogen will never be bigger than the electric energy sources, but it will take a much bigger part of the sustainability journey.
That was the CEO of Quantron, Michael Perschke. Thank you so much, Mr. Perschke, for your insights and what kind of tools you have developed to help your clients with the transformation from diesel trucks to low emission or even zero emission trucks. That was it for this week. Be sure to leave us a follow and a subscribe under changeofdirections.com and there you also find our newsletter that we send out on every Wednesday where you get all the latest news about hydrogen. Have a great day. Until the next time, bye-bye.